We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University I'm not of it, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. We're back. All right, welcome to another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and before we are joined by our awesome guests, we want to remind everyone to take some time out of your day and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast and or Spotify. It helps us out tremendously. We're going to jump into this interview with sideline reporter for Bally Sports and three-time guest, Ashley Shamity. Ashley, how's it going? Hey, this is my third time. I, I believe so. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I think I couldn't remember if it was second or third. Whoa. No, I'm doing good, Richie. Always, always love hopping on the podcast, talking Hornets basketball. Um, yeah, I, can't, I thought maybe it was my second, but I think you're right. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I think the first time we had it, it was with my other co-host. And then last time it was just you and I, before we hop into the Hornets, I know that you must be a very happy sports fan right now with Georgia (laughs) and the Braves with the way that their season ended, right? Like that, that's gotta be like the pinnacle of your, uh, your fandom, right? Um, our assistant coach, Jay Triano, he, after the dogs won the national championship, we had a road trip. So we get on the plane and he's like, you know what? I think, maybe you're the ticket. I mean, all your teams are winning and now you work for the Hornets. So we're just going to roll with the fact that you and I, of course was like, no, it is not me, but I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. Um, but no, it's been, man, the Atlanta curse is broken. Finally, uh, you know, starting with the Braves and then, Oh my gosh, I actually kind of cried some tears when the dogs won and it was just, it was just so, so special, and man, I just felt like it was a long time coming, so I, I'm really happy they were able to pull it out, and I just, I love that school, so I'm yeah. really excited. <laughs> you know, I'm a Florida fan, and I think I told you that on the last episode, mm-hmm. but I, I was rooting for the Bulldogs, and in the back of my mind, wow. yeah, I was, because I just wanted to see them win. I didn't, I didn't really care for another Bama title, and yeah. I thought, like, knowing that Bama had already beat beaten Georgia earlier in the SEC championship. It's, it's always hard to beat a team twice. Oh, yeah. I, I felt good about Georgia's chances there. 
And I think the reason that Georgia lost the first time, Bama had way more motivation in that game because Georgia could have lost that game and still made it to the playoffs, which obviously they did. So I think Mm -hmm. Bama had that extra edge there. But let me ask you this. Of the Braves and the Bulldogs, which championship was like more satisfying to you? Uh, definitely the the Bulldogs and not, you know, not saying anything about, against the Braves. I've actually worked a bunch of Braves games and they're like family over there. So I love, I love everything about it, but just graduating from there and then all the crap that I feel like <laughs> our school has gotten and the football team has gotten over the years. I have a Florida fan who is one of my good friends who is not as kind as you. And I mean, man, has just roasted Georgia for how many years and same with uh, I have some Clemson fans and of course Alabama fans are, I feel like everywhere. So just to finally, finally, you know, people can't hold a national title over our heads. I mean, of course now they're going to say, well, you only have this one in the last 40 years, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> national championship is a national championship. And I'm so, so excited about it. We actually, I work with a couple of Alabama fans and we're all very civil and very friendly, but of course, you know how people can be. So um, it was very, very satisfying. And, you know, I actually was at that SEC championship game surrounded by Alabama fans, oddly enough. Wow. And man, that was so brutal. I was nervous going in the national championship just because Nick Saban and I mean, he just crushed us so many times and you know Bryce Young looked incredible in that SEC championship game but I actually got to interview Stetson Bennett and Kirby Smart back in August like before before the season even started and um, I really respect them so I was excited about this uh, this season coming into it and then you know just be able to finish it with the national championship man cherry on top it was it was so wonderful so I'm really happy (laughs) now I just need the Hornets to go to the playoffs there you and go. literally Richie, this will be the best fourth year of my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, no. I, I, I have a connection to the Braves cause I, I am a Braves fan and I, I just felt like with the way that their season went, like so many things went wrong for them in the beginning mm-hmm. of the season with all the injuries and the Acuna, underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, to win the freaking World Series without Acuna, like I felt bad for him because I know he wanted to be out there so bad, but I would almost say that was more satisfying. But again, I have no connection to the, you know, right. UGA Bulldogs, but let, let's get into the Hornets. That's why we brought you on uh, and this exciting <laughs> season that uh, they are having. And like you said, they are pushing for the playoffs. But first, before we get into kind of their performance, how much fun has it been for you guys and the broadcast team this year when there's actually fans and there's that atmosphere back in the arena? Like how different does that feel to you? It is night and day. I'm not even going to lie. It is just, I mean, I was just happy to have a season last year, but to have fans back and to go in these arenas and, you know, especially when on the road and to win big games like we just did against the Knicks and then the Celtics and to have, you know, their fans, you kind of, kind of quiet them with big shots or wins on the stretch. And it's just, it's a night and day difference. And it, I mean, it charges the team and, um, it honestly propels them to, to win just because, you know, mm-hmm. it's something I, I interviewed Miles after the win in Boston uh, last night. And he was like, yeah, I've never won in this building. Like he was just so excited about it. And, you know, it, it wouldn't have felt the same if there were no fans. So um, I know from a team standpoint, it's just, it's just night and day difference. And then obviously Eric Collins uh, just to have, you know, fans be able to see him in action and, 
it just makes the whole atmosphere so electric. So I, I love that, you know, it's a little bit of normalcy, uh, getting to have fans back. It, it definitely helps in the wind for sure. Yeah. I guess I didn't think of it from the opposing side too, like miles bridges kind of feeding off the opposing crowd and, and using it that is. to kind of motivate them. I, I didn't think of it that way either. Well, for the home wins too, it's like, we've had some sellout crowds and you know, it's my fourth season in Charlotte and we haven't had, like, I can't remember consecutive sellouts like we've had. Yeah. Um, so man, Buzz City is like, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I know my, my family was able to come to a game and they're like, wow, we've never seen this like this before. And I'm like, I know it is, it is so different, but it's just, it really just is like electric. I mean, you know what it's like, it, it's crazy, but it helps so much. So yeah. I'm, I'm appreciative of them for sure. Uh, if you had to pinpoint like two, three things just kind of from a team perspective, like that have been so instrumental to the success of this team. Like, what do you think that would be this year? The defense. That is 100% why they've been able to, I believe they are winners of nine of their last 12 games. Um, And it really, you know, talking with Coach Borrego and some of the guys, they keep referring back to the Washington game Uh on January 3rd. And, you know, they lost that one in a really close game. And it really was just kind of the defense in the last two minutes. I mean, they were shooting lights out, especially like Kuzma. He was shooting lights out that night. But the defense could have have held on and won that one. So I just, talking to them, you know, that's where they say a light bulb went off. And they have won six of their last seven after that game. So um, I don't know what it takes to like finally buy into the defense. Cause it's something that they've said. I mean, when they've gone on, <laughs> you know, a couple losing streaks or whatever, they always say that they're like, well, we know it's our defense and we know it's that rebounding and rim protection and, you know, everything that encompasses like being a good defensive team. So they've known it, but I don't know. I don't know if they just needed that Washington loss to, finally, like they said, have the light bulb go off or what it was, but when they play good defense, it just 100% uh, translates to good offense, makes them have better shots. I mean, and it's a factor in, in all of their wins, especially this last stretch here of the other ones they're able to uh, pile together. But I think it's that. And then the biggest difference I've seen, even like from last year to this year or from the beginning of the year to now later in the year, the second half beginning, um, just not hanging their heads when the other team goes on runs. I really have noticed it in the last couple games, maybe the last two weeks or so, just being able to, I mean, their mindsets and like the huddles and timeouts, they don't change at all when, you know, if another team goes on a couple runs, even the, the last game against Boston, you know, they had back-to-back threes, so that's quick six points and it could have been, it could have gone worse. I mean, they could have lost the game if they didn't really try. Yes, they had built a pretty good lead and it wasn't as threatening, but mm-hmm. I just remember in years past, something like that would have spiraled and, you know, probably resulted in a loss. So I don't know if it's just a mature factor or poise or, you know, coach talks about that a lot. Um, just the growth in maturity and, and being poised out there and winning games like that. So in my eyes, it's the defense and then, kind of the mature maturity aspect of it too, which is why I think they've been able to win. So um, it's been, it's been really cool seeing like the the growth of that, especially just in, you know, like I said, this is my fourth season. So seeing guys like Miles Bridges come out of his shell. I mean, he was drafted here my first year and James Brego came my first year too. And so to see the way Miles has grown tremendously is just, is really cool to see. And just the whole team, I think, 
believing in, you know, putting the effort defensively and then staying, staying the course and playing mm-hmm. their style of basketball, no matter what happens, it has definitely translated into the win. So those are the two things I would probably pinpoint. Yeah. I like those. Their, their defense has definitely been better over the past, I would say 14 days. And like you mentioned, mm-hmm. Miles Bridges, like I, I could just tell from the, the broadcast and probably, probably in the last year and a half, he has become more vocal. I mean, obviously he's a younger yeah. player, but you need players like him to kind of step up and, and be vocal in huddles and stuff like that. And it motivates the players to want to do better. And um, I think the defense is one of those things, like if th- their, their defense will take them as far as they want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they have down spurts on the defensive side of the court, their offense is great. Like we all know that, but if they can't put together a string of games on defense, they aren't going to go as far as they can. And I think what's been, oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I'm yeah. agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's been crazy this year. I mean, more so than last year in terms of like the injuries and the COVID protocols, like the Hornets have done an awesome job of just like weathering that storm and staying in the hunt and, and staying the course. Like you said, how much of that adversity do you think helps them as they kind of close in towards the second half of this season as you know, the playoff race continues to build and build and build? In terms of, I'm not sure if you're speaking about, you know, just being in health and safety protocol and what teams have been able to deal, have to had to deal with. And, you know, I know no team is new to it. Every team has had to go through their MBA's health and safety protocol. Um, you know, we had that stretch where we had five guys out with it. And, you know, they're like Lamelo, Terry, Mason, like our starters. So I just remember it was, you know, after that news hit, then we played in Atlanta and, and it was, it was just like, you kind of go into it, okay, Cody Martin's our starting point guard, which Cody is wonderful, but obviously that's a new role for him to be a starting point guard for the team. And then you have all these guys out in protocol, and we won that game. And it was, mm-hmm. it was just so, that's one of my favorite games for sure, just because of, you know, dealing with the adversity and, and everything that you just spoke about. But I know every team's had to deal with it, but I do feel really lucky in the sense that, you know, you see some of these teams, like, like for instance, the Hawks, they, you know, had like 13 guys out at one time. Um, they were just signing the guys, the 10 day contracts, two way players, whatever they could, whoever they could get at the moment. And yes, the Hornets have dealt with it as well. You know, miles went on it, but they were able to kind of do it in spurts a little bit. Like Kelly just got off of it. And, you know, we did have that one chunk where we could have a good five, six guys that were out. Um, but they have been able to just continue to battle. And I know that's what makes the Hornets so difficult to defend is their depth and how any night, you know, Miles has had his career night. Kelly has had 37 plus point games before. Of course, Terry Rozier has had that before. We've seen Gordon go off for 30 or more points before. Like it really truly is any guy's night. And I know that's what makes them so difficult. And I think that is what is really going to, you know, carry them through as they make this push for the playoffs is, because everyone's not going to have a great shooting night. You know, mm-hmm. I know Lamelo didn't have, yeah, I think he had like 15 points against Boston, but in terms of what, you know, he averages and what his normal shooting night is like, it wasn't his best shooting night, but he had a triple double. <laughs> he finished with a triple double. So it's like any guy can really go off. And I think that's really what's going to carry this team uh, as they continue to push for those playoffs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts these players on this roster don't have a ton of playoff experience. And I, I don't know if you want to call last year's playoff experience that play in game. And I'm, I'm sure the Hornets are probably hoping to make it into the top six spots where they don't even have to worry about that play in tournament. Do you buy into like intangibles and like locker room presence, like a Gordon Hayward or Ish Smith or a Plumlee guys that have been there before. And do you think that has translated over to this locker room? Yes, I absolutely do. They, you know, coach really talked about Gordon doesn't always say a lot. You know, he's not the most vocal person, but in the huddles and timeouts, when, when the team needs the most, he is absolutely like the calming, consistent factor. Um, Even if he's not, you know, scoring the best that night or whatever it may be, his voice of his like voice of reason over these guys. Because in every situation that they can face in any game, Gordon has faced it in his career. He knows exactly, you know, those moments and, and what to do. And, you know, like you said, playoff um, experience, he knows all that. So having that is going to be so key. Last year he was hurt. So, you know, knock on wood, he's actually been our healthiest one yeah, this yeah. year in terms of missing the least amount of games. Yeah. So, you know, having him is, is going to be essential. And same with Ish. I mean, we went on a stretch here just now where we faced one of Ish's former teams for, I don't know, it was like five or six games. It was, and tomorrow he actually played for OKC for a year too. So we joke about it because he's played, obviously made a very long career for himself and played for multiple teams. So he's seen it all too. And I just, he, he knows his role and he loves just being, you know, supportive guy for, for all the, the young guys and, even things off the court, he's such a good guy to, to talk to. And we actually took a train ride from New York to Boston. So um, it was a really good bonding experience for everyone. And they kind of got to, I mean, they all, you know, ride on 
airplanes and, and all that and go to buses and stuff. But this was a three and a half hour train ride. So it was, and there's no, you know, TVs or anything like that. Yeah. People had their phones and stuff, but it was just a good bonding experience. And, and I was able to talk to Ish a little bit then. And, you know, he was, he was saying that, like, I, I love to be that guy who gets to help these guys, not just in basketball, but in life. And mm-hmm. I feel like having veteran presence like that is so important for such a young team because it really is. Charlotte is young and, and that's how they're finding success with these young guys. But there's always so much more you can learn and, and know. And I think that's where guys like Gordon and Ish and like you said, Mason too, man, it's going to be pretty essential when it comes to that playoff push about your mentality coming into it, what you need to expect. Like they're going to know what to say to, to get on the same level. Cause of course, coach, coach Borrego can talk about his experience with the Spurs and coach pop, but it's just going to sound different when it comes from a player, one of their teammates. So I think that's going to be pretty essential. And, and you, you said it too. they, of course, you're going to take what you can get, but they don't want to make the plan. They definitely right. want to be in the top six. So that's kind of the push for now. Speaking of pushes, the Hornets have made a very creative push, a campaign to get Rozier, Bridges, and Ball to the All-Star <laughs> game. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me like two or three sentences for every player here. Not every player, but, you know, Rozier, Bridges, and Ball. What, what, is mm-hmm. your, what is your campaign trying to get them to an All-Star spot? So for Terry, I, I know Terry has had his kind of highs and, and lows during the season. He dealt with some injuries and was on protocol. But if you're looking what he's doing the last couple of games, and we talk about this on the pregame show a lot too, when Terry goes off, it usually goes well for the Hornets. So when you talk about, you know, being an all-star, it's not, it is about the numbers and I get that and it's about the flash and I get that too. And it's a fan vote, media vote, you know, coaches and players vote, but if you talk about how a player changes a franchise or how they affect a team or whatever it may be, I think those are things you really need to look at too. And that's something that Terry brings. I mean, the way that he kind of rallies the troops and, and guys look up to him so much and, um, you know, when his numbers are what they are, like I said, it usually votes well in a Hornets win. Mm-hmm. So kind of encompassing all those. And he's from Cleveland. Yeah. So <laughs> I think too, have him go back and be an all-star. You know, we remember when the all-star game was here and Kemba was here, like how special that moment was for him. So um, that's kind of a couple sentences about, about that. And then, you know, of course with LaMelo, you talk about changing a franchise, an organization, a culture, that is LaMelo. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I could say so many sentences about him, but everybody knows what he brings in. You know, he's, he's put such a spotlight on this organization and this city. And, you know, it was a ESPN side-by-side game yesterday. And so there was a lot of national attention to that game. Um, and that's what he brings. He brings, like, a national spotlight to the Charlotte Hornets. So, you know, that alone, plus, of course, all of the plays he I mean, it's phenomenal to see what he can do at such a young age. It's mind blowing sometimes the passes he makes, the the court vision, the I mean the shots that he somehow go in. I, I don't even understand how it happens. And then just the joy factor too. You know that's all about changing the culture and and changing an organization. He has absolutely done that. He's brought so much joy to the team and to the coaching staff and to this whole organization. So that's kind of my my push when it comes to Lamelo that backs up his staff. And then yeah, but, with but, Miles, but before you get to Miles, yeah. like. Yeah. We were talking about this in the podcast, and you tell me if you agree or not. But as Hornets fans with Lamelo, I think sometimes we've become, I guess, numb 
to some of the plays that he makes because we see it so often, yeah. like on a game to game basis. Like you see him make this crazy pass, and at this point, okay. I'm just like, okay, that's expected. But then from like a national perspective, if it, you know, if they're on national TV, everyone's talking about this pass, and us as Hornets fans and followers and and stuff like that, we're just like, oh, we see this every day. So I think we mm-hmm. do need to appreciate Lamelo a little bit more. But I think because it happens so regularly, we just kind of mm-hmm. become numb to it a bit. Oh, for sure, and like. In that game against Boston, you know, Coach was kind of joking because, of course, you can smile after a loss, but Lamelo had a triple-double, but he also had eight turnovers. And yeah. Coach was like, I should have left him in there to give him a quadruple-double <laughs> with turnovers, too. That's what he was saying to us. And I was like, of course, he can laugh about it with the win, but it's just a fine line of because he loves when he's creative offensively, and that's what Lamelo brings, so much creativity offensively. So you don't want to, you don't want that to stop, and you don't want to, you know, punish him for that. He won't do it anymore. So of course it's just walking that fine line of letting him be creative. And yes, we do need to appreciate it because it is very difficult. The, the things that he can do, I, I it's mind blowing. I mean, I, I love talking to Dell about it because he's obviously, he's played in the league for so long and yes, the game looks a lot different now than it did when he played, but he really breaks it down into a like, how difficult is that actual pass or how difficult is it to really make that shot? And same when we see like miles, some of the dunks that he does and the fact that he is can shoot just as easily with his right and his left hand. I mean, that too is something that I feel like everyone needs to appreciate a little bit more. I feel like they don't really notice it, how he can do it with both hands, but to be able to go up and, and dunk like he does or make some sort of move and, and, you know, score the layup like he does with either hand is very impressive. And it's something that I think, you know, we kind of take for granted because we probably don't even really notice it, that he uses both of them. So I completely agree with you. It is definitely something that um, we're probably just used to, but when you really think about, wow, how did he just make that? (laughs) How did he just see that? Or how did he just pass the ball so perfectly between, (laughs) you know, two seven foot, tall players that it got to Mason and I mean it's really incredible when you see it so just another reason they should be all stars <laughs> do you have your little campaign for bridges ready oh yes bridges bridges is the numbers thing for sure um if you look at game by game and and consistency scoring wise yep. and, and who can really I mean it's bridges um he just leads the team and in, in so many categories and so the stats alone back it up. But then when you dig deeper and, you know, just for me being around, being around them almost every day, it's like the growth that he has shown. It, it's truly, truly tremendous. I remember his rookie year, you know, interviewing him. It was like pulling teeth just to get two words out. And now he, we love when, he, when he's on, you know, he's a walk-off interview or whatever it may be. Um, he's just so comfortable. And I know it happened with confidence and, from last year, we kind of saw a lot of it towards the end of last year and all the responsibilities he was given last year. And then it rolled over and he had a really, really good summer, a really good off season. And he brought it into this season. Um, and the confidence is just kind of soared through. And that's what's helped, I think, with everything. Just being more vocal, opening up. Coach has said multiple times how Miles is the most consistent talker on the team. You know, he... I don't know if you call him a veteran now. I guess maybe with how young the team is, he is kind of considered a veteran. But in terms of his just his presence and how he how he kind of rallies the troops and talks to the team, he is a veteran. Um, he is definitely a leader, veteran of the team. And so that, along with his stats, another another reason he should be an all star. So 
I, I could talk about them for forever. <laughs> and and if, if you don't even look at the numbers, if people just look at the campaign, Buzz City Burgers, are you kidding me? That whole commercial, if anyone hasn't seen it, you got to watch it. Eric and Bell are in it. It's so good. So that alone, too, the creativity behind Buzz City Burgers should send them there as well. <laughs> I, I wonder who ate all those burgers and fries. Like, was there someone was there someone there that was like ready to eat all that stuff up? Because I, I can't imagine the players being the only ones eating that. <laughs> well, actually, on our post game show, we start doing this thing where Wes Bryant, my co-host, yeah. he, after wins, will eat a burger. So it's kind of become a thing now with uh, <laughs> the Buzz City Burgers uh, being on the post game show after a win. So I don't know who ate them all, but I can't even imagine what the making of that commercial was like. So that. It just looked so fun, and um, I know they had a really good time doing it. So I think it's just such a wonderful campaign. It's exciting. Okay, so I reached out to a couple of listeners of the pod, and they wanted to relay some questions to you. And this one's from Jake. What has been your most memorable interaction uh, that you've had while working with the Hornets? I'm assuming he means like an interview, but I guess it could mean something else. I think he's talking about just this year or in general. I think he just means in general. Or if you want to go this year plus in general or just, you know, keep it to this year, it's really up to you. Yeah. Well, there's just, there's a couple moments that definitely stick out. Like one, you know, when Kemba was an all-star and the all-star game was here in Charlotte, that whole, whole thing was just, you know, was so great. And, and we got to follow him around and we shot so many interviews and video and everything like that. And, um, I know it was a really hectic, busy weekend for him, but I just felt like it was so special. And we got to see Kemba when we were in New York, of course, uh, playing the Knicks. And man, he is just the same person as I only got to spend a little bit of time with him. But, you know, for, for like Dell and Eric, who have got to kind of see him over the years, he is literally the same person, just so humble and nice and kind. He came over to us and, and talked to us. And, you know, not a lot of players would do that. So um, I just respect him so much. And, I think that was really a special moment, just the whole All-Star weekend being here in Charlotte. And then in terms of this year, you know, I think um, there, there are definitely some interviews that stick out. I know one in particular when I interviewed Lamelo, and um, he said that key to his success was H2O water. And I think <laughs> it like went viral. <laughs> so, which, which is kind of funny because most of his interviews, I feel like get a lot of views. It's really funny when we, you know, when the game's winding down and, if we if we think we can hold on and get the win, we of course talk about real quick who we think that we should interview. And if it's between two people, you know, my producer, we usually land on Lamelo just because you know people will be very tuned in and interested as to what he's going to say. Because it's so you just never know what he's going to say. So um, I think that was a pretty memorable one as well. And then in terms of just like wins and games in particular. This last week was was really special. Just being able to, you know, they won four in a row, uh, you know, beating Milwaukee twice. Right. And then breaking the losing streak, like a 14-game losing streak over the Sixers um, at Philly was incredible. And then, you know, getting a win at MSG. They haven't been able to win in that building in so long. And then the same with Boston, being able to win at TD Garden. Uh, something they hadn't done in a really long time as well. I think both of those were like back to 2016. So it's been a good while. And I just think this whole last week, I was kind of reflecting on it, just thinking like, wow, you know, the two wins over Milwaukee, it wasn't like Giannis was out or because everyone, of course, checks that just to see if, if all their star people are in. But no, everybody was in. <laughs> the Hornets beat them, not just once, but twice. So like 
So it wasn't just like a fluke win or whatever you may call it. It was really, you know, showed what they're capable of. So I think this last week was just really yeah. special. And, um, a lot of good things happened. A lot of streaks were broken and a lot of big wins happened. So um, I think it was some of my favorites so far. I'm sure we'll have more moments to come this next half of the season, but those are some, I hope I answered this question. No, perfect. <laughs> going to perfect. Perfect. Uh, this one is from Drew. What is your favorite arena to visit? And I don't know if necessarily if he means city as well, um, but either or. I don't know. Because in terms of like special places, like MSG is just, you feel iconic when you're in there. Um, it's just like, wow, you're at Madison Square Garden. So, and you know, being in the Big Apple in New York City, I feel like that's definitely one of one of my favorites. And then, man, that's hard because obviously in LA, it's, it's always fun and flashy and all that stuff. But in terms of just like really nice arenas, I don't know. I guess I'll go in different, yeah. <laughs> different spots for him. Like Milwaukee has a very, very nice arena. It's like pretty obviously brand new and they're national champs. So they have like a, they have a, their bench is like heated seats and they like move up and down. They're like automatic. And it's just a very, very nice arena. Um, I always talk about this too, in terms of where I sit as the sideline reporter. Um, it always makes me have different favorite, you know, arenas too. For instance, in Orlando, I have a really good seat, like, right behind the basket lifted and you know you can just see everything really clearly and because I always have a monitor in front of me but when I am in an arena where I don't have to rely on the monitor because I'm actually right in front of the action I always really appreciate that so arenas like that too but I think you know Madison Square Garden definitely a good one and and in LA is fun too um and then some of the cities like Portland's really fun to me I like when we stay in places where you can walk to everything. So those are kind of some of the things that I look for. But those are some fun ones. And you probably don't have too much time to enjoy the city considering like, you know, the NBA is so hectic. Yeah. Yeah. The only time we really can, like we had a true, true off day in Boston where we got in the night before we had the whole day off and then we played the next day. Um, That does not happen very often. Yeah. You're right about that. So it's kind of nice when, you know, you are able to, it was a very cold though. The wind was unbelievably chilly <laughs> in Boston. There's no snow, but it was very cold, but I always, anywhere you can just walk. Um, I love it so much. Like Chicago, so fun uh, just to be able to walk around and, and see things. So I'm, I'm for any one of those places. All right. This is the last question before we get to the game at the end of the podcast here. Um, this one, <laughs> this, this one is from Kevin. He says, what is it like working with Eric Collins? Is he as as exuberant doing ordinary things before the broadcast? <laughs> yes, he is. It's so funny because when people finally, you know, if they get to talk to him and spend time with him and really meet him, he's a walking encyclopedia. So all, you know, during the game when he's given these facts and just ran, just random knowledge about players that you're like, how do you even know that? Or, you know, I love Dell's comments when Eric will say something like, you know, I, I don't even know. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even, right. you know, describe what he says, but just anything random and Dell kind of like, how do you know that? Or, or why did like, why do you even know that? So information like that, he does that in real life too. And it's so fun because when we land somewhere and get on the bus and drive to our hotel, he is like a walking tour guide. And I don't know how he knows everything about every city, but He'll always tell me like, Hey, we're passing this river. Hey, that building is famous for this reason. Or, Hey, you see that, you know, bridge over there. That's where blah, blah, blah was 
became, I don't even know. I mean, he, he just knows everything. So in terms of, yes, he definitely brings the energy. He drinks one five hour energy um, before every game. He does not drink coffee. So no like caffeine or anything that the only caffeine source is one five hour energy that he takes um, during our production meeting. So I don't know if it's that, but I don't even think he really needs that to be honest. <laughs> I think he would be just the same if he didn't have it. So maybe it's a mental thing for him, <laughs> but he definitely is the exact same person minus a couple of the like miles bridges like he doesn't always say that out loud but yeah he is pretty much the same person <laughs> all right so speaking of eric collins this is going to transition right into our game and uh we played oh, we, we, we played a game last time we came on and you accused me of making it too difficult Ricky, yes you definitely threw me under the bus that last time. <laughs> <laughs> so we are also going to play a game, but some of these will be multiple choice and true false. So I will make it a little bit easier. You'll have options. So what? Here's here are the rules of the game. I'm going to play a sound bite from Eric Collins, and one of the words will be censored or bleeped out. Your <laughs> your job is to guess the word that's missing. And again, and again, some of these are going to be true false. Some of these are going to be multiple choice. And then some of them, I'm just going to make you try to guess without those options. There's going to be six of these. My goal for you is to get four. So any any questions before okay. we begin? Any questions? No, I love this. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so I'll give, I'll give a little bit of background information about the clip, but I'm not really sure that'll help you that much. Uh, this one's actually recent. It was from Miles Bridges' like career-high game in Madison Square Garden where he was just kind of going off with his floaters. This clip is, a, is the longest one. And okay. so just, just bear with it. It's towards the end, and here it goes. Bridges. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? He's unconscious again with the right hand. That's just playing around. New York City park style. Off the glass, floaters using the rim, backboard, whatever you want. Hotter than a phoenix. <laughs> Hotter than a virtual in phoenix. Wow, that that is I was going to give you multiple choice for that. Okay, so then then there we go. These are these are fun. These are funny to me just cuz the bleeps. I don't I don't know why. Like Oh, it's so good. Your mind oh, can go so anywhere. Good. Your mind can go anywhere. Okay, so that's one for one. I didn't even need multiple choice for that one. Oh man. Okay, okay. That's this good. this next one is probably the quickest. So just just pay attention. This is from January 5th where Kelly Oubre hit 8 Three pointers. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and the fourth. You, you may know this. So here we go. Fifth into the ball game for the sole purpose of setting up Kelly. Shoot it. From road. Oh, are you kidding me? From blank road. Oh, oh, oh! Is it Sardis Road? From Sardis Road. You you know where that is, right? Yes. Okay. Well. Sort of, yes. But yes, yes, yes. I remember that. It's really Sardis. I couldn't remember if that's exactly what he said. It, yes, it is Sardis. It is Sardis. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Um, oh, that was fun. That was a fun one too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, these. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> I mean, I do. I. I do try and. I told Eric one day I'm gonna. Uh, write a book of all his phrases. So I think this is getting me on the right path, just because so, I can memorize them. I didn't know I was. I didn't know I had these back in, you know, stored in my brain, but I guess I do. So thank you, Andy, for letting me know. So my question is, like, do you, I'm assuming you have an earpiece of their broadcast, but is there yeah. is there ever a point where, like, 
not that you want to mute them or like, do you like have to mute them to talk to someone else? Like, how does that work? I mean, there's like a lot of technicalities in this, but. Right. Right. So I do, I have my, my so IFB and I, I like to listen to our entire broadcast. Gotcha. So I'm always trying to listen to, cause when I, ch- you know, chime in, um, Eric will usually toss it to me or throw it to me. So obviously I want to hear what they're saying or I love interacting with them. Um, so I am listening to the entire broadcast. It is hard when people are talking to you because I do have to turn them down because uh, that's the only time I really can't. But when I'm talking, I obviously hear my voice right. in it. But yeah, I like to interact with them. So I always listen to the whole thing. So maybe that's why I have these memorized. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll always laugh at them. And then I'll always either text them during it and like, oh, that one was a good one. Or Dell's reaction was hilarious. And um, my producer and I are usually laughing over something Eric said. So. It's one big happy family. All right. Well, you're first off, you're two for two. So here's number three. This is probably my favorite one of the bunch. And this one does not have a multiple choice. So you'll have to get this without my help. This is also okay. from the MLK matinee game in New York. Speaking about okay. Miles Bridges again. Uh, so here's another saying about Miles Bridges. What shot? How quick was that? Miles, another right-handed floater. And the, the defender just knows Miles is a left-handed player. Shades him to go right, and that is playing to right into what he wants to do. Everything he's done this first quarter being the right hand. Moving faster than a in a tornado, Miles Bridges. <laughs> faster than a toupee in a tornado. All right, moving faster is than a, yeah, moving faster than a toupee okay. in a tornado. Oh my goodness! Yes. I should have set the bar at six for six here. We're 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 almost there. <laughs> Now I'm in it. Yeah, now I'm motivated. Got to get them all. Yeah. Now this next one is a <laughs> little bit harder to hear, and it actually wasn't within the game. So this actually might be maybe harder for you. Maybe you were doing something during this time. It was during a break, and they were describing Terry Rozier, who had just like rolled his ankle. And this was in the second game of the season. So this is going oh, back wow. back even farther. And basically, he was talking about his toughness. And so here it is. He's describing <laughs> Terry Rozier's toughness. He has the best trainer in the business, Joe Sharp. Over at Tennis Tournament, just, hey, he just laced up some tumors a little tighter. And look at Terry's walking away from Joe. Tougher than a alley cat. This has not been his homecoming that he expected. All right, so this is true or false. Tougher than a blank alley cat. True or false. Did he say tougher than a one-eared alley cat? True. That that is true. Ding ding ding. Yeah. Now would you, than a one year dollar Would you have gotten that without than, Yes, I did know that one. He does say that one quite a bit. And then also tougher than uh tortoise toenails, which is kind of <laughs> disgusting, but also one of our favorites that he uses. But the one year dollar one I feel like he uses the most. <laughs> or tougher than Wallace Crystal, I think. Yes. Wallace, yes. Wallace, yeah. yeah. Uh that's another one, but the tortoise toenails and the one-eared alley cat stuck in my brain forever. <laughs> All right. Two more questions. You're four for four, so you've already met the standard here. And this one was actually not about a Hornet. It was about the uh, the Grizzlies, Stephen Adams, before he was going to the free throw line. And same thing, <laughs> they were discussing him as a tough player. And it's funny, you actually had a story right after he went to the line. Yes. And, and you were talking yes. about how he was voted by the players as one of the dirtiest players. Mm-hmm. And so here is um, Eric Collins describing Stephen Adams. He stepped on Richard's with his left foot and then again on the, with the right. He gargles. 
All right, so Steven Adams has missed two free throws in a row. Uh-oh, all is lost with the Adams family. Let's check in with Ashley. All right, let's check in with Ashley. Um, he gargles. Gargles blank. This is multiple choice, or do you do you think you know it without the multiple choice? I might know it. I think I do, but I could be totally wrong. Um, I think it's he gargles thumbtacks. Oh my goodness, you are correct is again. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I knew it was like nails or like I don't know what, but yeah, thumbtacks. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe the multiple choice would have like given you pause because I had thumbtacks, box cutters, fishing hooks, and safety pins. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah. Cause I, I literally like hear him saying that as you're, it's very impressive that you went back and got all these clips. This, this actually <laughs> took me a lot of time. I will say, yeah. I will say that I did not watch most of the Boston game because I was doing this. So I'm going to have to rewatch that Boston oh. game later, but this was worth it. This was worth it. I, I'm just laughing at you know what? We need to borrow this. Can we put this on our pregame show? Do it. fill in the blank yeah last yeah last one this this one is like the most clever of them all in the sense that like not a lot of people get it right away in the sense that like it kind of has like a a wittiness to it now this is a throwback this is actually from last year january 2nd of last year it was a game between the hornets and sixers and bead was complaining to the refs Eric and Dell were just shown like a replay of Hayward kind of using his offhand to create some, you know, some space and Embiid just Mm -hmm. kind of flops and tumbles over. And Eric Collins is just kind of like flabbergasted that he, a big guy could be falling (laughs) over uh, after, after Hayward. So I don't know if you'll get this one. I actually didn't make this true or false or multiple choice, uh, but here is the last one. Oh man. Come on. He's going to get a letter from the league for that. Oh, Weaker than a pack of a in the ocean. There's no way he falls down in that contest. Weaker than a pack of blank in the ocean. Oh, man. He doesn't use that one often. No, I, I actually don't really remember this one, uh, but I was able to somehow find it. And I, yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't know if he's used it often. Yeah, I wish I could phone a friend for this. Okay, weaker than a pack of something in the ocean. Oh, oh, wait. I know he's used, I don't think this is the answer, but I know he's used like a tea bag in the ocean. Um, but I don't know. If I'll he- accept it. It's He says a pack of iced tea. Oh, okay. It is. Okay, yeah. He has used that. <laughs> yeah, here's the, here's the audio. He's going to get a letter from the league for that. Uh, weaker than a pack of iced tea in the ocean. <laughs> There's no way he falls down in that contest. Yes, uh, he's definitely used something along those lines. So, wow, Richie, this is awesome. We, I seriously, I'm gonna talk to my producer. We need to use this on the premium show. Yeah, feel free, feel free. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll give you all the credit. That's fine. Just don't use the country one because I, I heard that one was too hard. That one was very hard. You redeemed yourself. <laughs> now we just need to find. Not that this was easy, but we can find middle ground for the next time. Yeah, I, I think the, the the average person might get four out of six, but you who listens to oh, all the, yeah. listens to all the broadcasts gets six out of six. Yeah, so that is true. Thank you again, Ashley, for joining the podcast. We always enjoy your insight, and we hope to get you on again soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's always so much fun getting to hang out with you. So I appreciate it, Richie, and uh, go on it.